This is good. You got a problem, Trudy? Actually, Bray, we've got a problem. Oh, yeah? You and I are the only responsible people left in this place. Do you know that? Do now. Look, I need you to look after Brady for a while. Celine's just disappeared, and if someone doesn't clean up this place, a whole different set of mall rats are going to be taking over. Did you hear anything I said? Isn't Amber back? No. Still off with conman Sasha, I suppose. Bray, I said we have rats. Good. He should have stayed here, then fit right in. I don't believe you. You could have got it together with Amber ages ago if you wanted to. Yeah, well. You don't know what you got till it's gone, Trude. You know all about that, don't you? Well, maybe I do. But at least I'm not lying around feeling sorry for myself. I'm getting on with things. You've missed out on Amber Bray. Get over it. Well, what should I do? What's your advice? Should I take some pills? You're not gonna watch Brady then? Nope. Wonderful. There are two leaders in this place and they're both totally useless. So welcome to episode 35 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. Hello. We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So episode 35, the screenplay was done by Wendy Lee. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Sabine. With the place in complete disarray, Trudy is becoming increasingly frustrated with being the only person who works around the mall. Jack wants to become more mobile and enlists Dal and KC to make it happen. Meanwhile, Rowan and Dirk use Celine's addiction against her, taking her prisoner, and another day spent with Sasha at the beach leads Amber to a very dramatic situation. So let's dive straight into the Twilight Zone, where Trudy has suddenly become the responsible one. So, out of Amber's shadow, Trudy gets her chance to shine as the only responsible person in the entire mall. With Flex enjoying his honeymoon with Zandra, she turns to remaining leader Bray for backup, but Bray has transformed even further into the incredible sulk over Amber's departure and refuses to even watch Brady while Trudy cleans the rat-infested kitchen. So I've got quite a few questions here, but first of all, panel, what did you think of this complete role reversal between the two of them? Honestly, I wanted to slap Bray in the face. <sighs> yeah. This, yeah. Sulking doesn't look good on him. I'm telling you, I, I can't handle, I, I don't like a sulky, whiny, broody... Bray, I, ugh. I got nothing. I got nothing good to say. I don't have any excuses to make for him. I don't have any empathy for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if he didn't want to do anything, he could have at least watched Brady, you know? That's the least he could have done, yeah. Uh, there's no excuses for that, yeah. And his throwing Trudy suicide attempt in her face. <sighs> I feel like that definitely crossed the line. Of where you go when you're mad at your friends or your loved ones. There's just certain things you, certain wounds you don't poke at. It's a silently agreed upon thing. And that was not cool. I didn't appreciate that at all. And this is coming from someone who was totally on board with Amber telling Trudy off after her suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. So... 
for me to, yeah, I I just think that was way over the line for him. There was no reason for him to go there whatsoever, just because she was right in this conversation. And he had no justification for his behavior. So he basically took a low blow. I kind of wish he'd kicked him in the face. Yeah. (laughs) I just can't get past the fact that he said that. You know, and she points everything out to him, you know? You could have gone for Amber weeks ago. You didn't. Not to mention, she is still also being very practical. She's not whining to Bray. She's pointing out that, hello, we still have a mall to run. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Amber should be able to take a couple days off without everything falling apart because there's two other leaders in here. And while Lex has an excuse because he's on his honeymoon, Bray, you're here. You're supposed to be a leader, okay? Get off your butt. And just his inability his lack of interest in anything i just feel like it just goes beyond his oh i can't have this girl i I don't i don't have the energy for it i don't have the time for it he's almost more annoying than he is later on when he thinks she's actually gone gone you know yeah he's so useless i love how trudy says that like that's just great there's two leaders in this place and they're both absolutely useless Mm mm-hmm and he didn't even care about his niece. Like, come on, Bray. Grow up. Come on. Like, you only, what, you only want to be the hero when, there's, when you're going to get a prize for it and there's someone to watch you be a hero. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to whoever came up with the Incredible Sulk. That was mm-hmm. beautiful. Way to go, Matt. <laughs> yeah. You nailed it. Uh, Bray is one of my favorite characters on the show, so this episode is very hard to watch. (laughs) Just see him be so uh, sulky and and just rude towards Trudy. Um, You touched on my, really touched on my next question, but um, despite Bray's low blow, like they both have been quite really nasty to each other with their their barbs between the two of them. Like, what do you think about that? Um, I I do think that's a natural. They're still working out their issues, you know what I mean? And they've been basically staying away from each other, which is smart. They've been giving each other space. And uh, but those feelings aren't just going to go away. Again, we've talked about how they hurt each other. You know, they let each other down and they broke each other's trust. And that doesn't just go away. And it comes out sometimes, you know, um, they're trying. I think Trudy's trying more than Bray is to be mature about this. Mm -hmm. I think she takes more responsibility for the way things went and she is really trying harder to make up for it. She's less likely to get nasty and if she does, she apologizes very quickly for losing her temper. Um, But yeah, I I do feel like this is pretty natural for them to get snarky when the tension is high because there's all those unresolved emotional hurts between them that haven't healed yet. And Bray has been emotionally manipulated by Trudy in the past. So it does make sense that he does not quite trust her when she comes to talk to him about a concern because he's just remembering how she used that against him in the past. And Trudy is, she wishes she could depend on Bray, Mm -hmm. but you know, she was hurt by wanting to depend on him in the past and it not being the way she would have liked it to be and feeling hurt and betrayed by him. So, yeah, it's kind of like when you're fighting with someone that who's hurt you, you read into their actions and their words things that may not even actually be there just because you have that bitter history with them. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, it sucks to see it, but this is, they're just working through this. That's all, that's all it is. They're working through their pain with each other. Yeah, to me, it just felt like she was more justified in some of the things she said than he was to throw taking pills in her face. Yeah, that was, again, I do feel like that crossed the line. But, yeah. Their, their current relationship um, as, well, not really friends, but people with a past. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's It makes sense to me with everything that happened between them. It makes sense that they aren't all happy, happy, joy, joy. But, yeah, I still just can't get over the fact that Bray just lays around whining, doing nothing. Yeah, I think we're all over it. <laughs> I suppose what bothers me the most about this conversation, like, again, I do understand Bray's bitterness towards Trudy, and I feel like the two of them are just working through their emotional hurts. What makes it inexcusable is that Trudy's actually here making a good point. She's not annoying mm-hmm. Bray. She's not attacking him over something trivial. She's coming to him as one of the freaking leaders of her tribe, and asking him to help her keep things together. And Bray's excuse for sitting on his butt and being this pain in the ass is he didn't get the girl he wanted simply because he didn't try to get her. Like, that's it. That's it. That's all it is. It's not like he tried for Amber and she rejected him. or (laughs) He just never bothered trying to get with Amber. So someone else did. And that's what his sulk is all about. And it's... So self-indulgent and pitying. Yeah. For once, the girls aren't coming to him to beg him for his attention. And I wonder if Bray has ever been in that position before where he actually has to go to the girl himself. You know, that's actually a good point. Yeah, I'm willing to guess he hasn't. Because it seems like every girl in the entire series always chases after him. When I was younger, I knew two brothers. One of them was very good-looking. He blossomed at a very young age. And the girls went crazy for him. The other brother, he it took him a while. He was a late bloomer. He was going to be a very handsome adult. But when he was a teenager, he was awkward looking. And this very interesting, distinct difference between the brothers. The good looking one had no skills. He had no game. He didn't have to develop any mm-hmm. skills. Because us girls were just like, oh, we fell out over him. He didn't know how to talk to us. <laughs> he didn't know how to behave in a relationship. Because he didn't have to develop any of those. Because us girls were willing to do all the work to be with him. Mm-hmm. But his brother, who, who wasn't the good-looking one, was so charming. He was a walking salesman for relationships. He was incredible. And he, he had such a great personality. Because he'd had to develop one. Because the girls didn't come falling all over themselves for him. So it's actually a really good point that you make about Bray. Because he is very good looking and girls usually lose their minds over him, that might explain why he didn't know how to ask Amber out. Because Amber didn't fall all over him and she didn't make it easy and he didn't know what to freaking do. No, and that's what every girl, at least as far as we know, in his past has done. I mean, Trudy threw himself at, a, at him, Celine did, even Ebony did. Yeah, he didn't have to do any work to make those relationships happen. Except accept them. And here's Amber, who is not doing any of that. And here's Bray. It's like, no wonder he's completely helpless to get himself out of the situation. He doesn't know what to do. That's amazing. Learn something new every day. And yes, I have reached my limit with Bray at this time. I'd rather him be a jerk and be manipulative and uh, than this. I just can't. I can't deal with this. Yeah. 
I, <laughs> I can deal with sneaky Bray who tries to get his own way. Sure, fine. Or Bray trying to charm his way into whatever he wants. But yeah, the, the sulking, yeah, no. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> Just no. <laughs> I mean, I wanted him to fall out of that hammock. Just have Trudy kick it over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just... yeah, or, or him just leaning back with, ah, oh, the world hates me, and then just toppling over. I wonder if that's somewhere in the blooper reel. <laughs> if it is, we want to see it. It's a major statement, though, just to make that you have three leaders in this tribe, and literally only one of them is pulling her weight. Mm-hmm. The, old, the other two only do their jobs when she's around to make them do their jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I think it just speaks to a deeper issue with society and the fact that because Amber is a female, she couldn't just take the leadership of the tribe for herself mm-hmm. because you have people like Lex who's like, no, no, I'm a guy and I should be in charge. And yet, so she has to share her leadership. But I think we can all agree that she should just, she is just the leader, you know, she mm-hmm. designates to those guys to make them feel important. But literally the fact that she even has to pretend that they're joint leaders with her, you know, to satisfy their egos and to just keep them productive. I, I feel like it's a statement, you know, about society and women in power and stuff. I think it's something Amber really, truly realizes, though. It's sad that she knows that's the way it has to be and that's how she has to play this. But she's also good enough at it to make sure that this way Lex does what she wants him to do. Bray does what she wants him to do. She has the strength for them. Uh, yeah, I just, I agree. I just pretty much agree. Uh, I haven't reached my limit yet with Bray just because I feel like the tribe has, they make all their characters at least one or a few episodes a season do certain things that you're just like, oh, why did they do that? And and it's just for writing purposes. So, although this is very hard to watch Bray say these things and do these things, I haven't reached my limit with him yet. Yeah, I'll probably keep going back and forth with how much I like Bray per episode. Yeah. <laughs> I like him more than she does. <laughs> right now. <laughs> It's great. I always liked Bray until I started doing this rewatch mm. and actually looking at the things he does. I do think it's harder when you're watching each episode in its own bubble at a time because when you're watching it, like if you're binge watching the show, you can contextualize the character's mm-hmm. behavior in an arc and yeah. you take them as a whole. You know, but when you have to watch it episode by episode, you're basically having to analyze very specific aspects of their their personalities at a time. So, for example, if you take me as a person, as a whole, most people like me. But if you had to analyze my personality points, you're going to hit an episode where you're like, I freaking hate her so much. Right, right. Because, yeah, it's a very unlikable personality trait of mine, you know, and so I do think that affects our our feelings on the characters because we are speaking just how we feel about this character at this specific moment. Yeah, I I love Bray in general, but yes, if I have to talk about him only in this episode, I freaking hate his guts so much. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of all view everything from the point of view of the characters we prefer, which in my case, obviously, is Trudy. And, well, (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel annoyed on her behalf. I do. I have to admit, yes, I have a lot of sympathy for Trudy in this episode. Even though, like I said, sometimes yeah. there's this tiny P to me is like, eh, you kind of, you did this to other people, so. <laughs> Here's your payback, sweetie. <laughs> if it's the right thing for Amber and Celine, they'll be back. If not, then we'll survive. Just look at Brady. She survived while her mommy went away for a while. Yes, we all looked after her. Because we love her. Exactly. What's important for babies is to keep them away from negative energy. Makes them sad. And it's not always your mothers that can make them happy. I think Brady needs her mother. Wow, Trudy must have really negative energy. Uh, yeah, let's, let's move on to... Tyson. Trudy finally finds someone willing to help her, but Tyson's idea of his assistance is to prevent Chloe and Patsy from doing any cleaning whatsoever and taking them off to do spiritual exercises. Um, and taking Brady along too, so that the baby can be around some positive energy, as she puts it. And to top things off, she tells Trudy that she's a natural cleaner. Ah, okay. What do you think is going on with Tyson here? Is she really so oblivious to what she's saying, or is she, as in Trudy's words, a patronizing cow? Both. I don't think she's oblivious at all. She simply doesn't want to help out in the kitchen. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, I... I, I think she does really feel that the children need some help. And yeah, I, I think she just finds it convenient that she can use the kids as an excuse not to do anything. But it's one thing not to help out, but it's nothing to then take the kids away and just take away any help at whatsoever that Trudy could have had. I do not feel like Tyson's being helpful at all. And it's like thoughts and prayers, but we're not actually going to fix this problem, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm just like, oh, I, if I was Trudy, again, I would just be like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, yeah. mm. I, I actually have one thing to say in Tyson's defense which is really strange. But um, if I think about it, if I was given the, given the option at that age, if someone would tell me, look, we should go and clean, and there's a lot of kids there, I would have been the one to suggest, oh, no, I'll just take care of the kids, you know, anything to get out of cleaning. I don't mind that Tysan doesn't want to clean. I don't like to clean. I'm fine. I don't want to clean. It sucks. <laughs> my, it's not, that's not my problem with it. That, that's a totally natural response. I would take one look at that cafe and I would find something else that needs to be done. What mm -hmm. I don't like is the condescending BS that yeah, she's feeding yeah. Trudy about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and I would have respected Tyson way more if she just said, I really don't want to do this, but I can do this. I can help the kids feel better. <laughs> I mean, it would have led, left Trudy in the same situation, but it wouldn't have been as condescending. It would have been just straightforward honesty. Like, I, this is not my deal. I don't clean kitchens. I didn't make this mess. I don't know who did. But I'll take the kids out of your hands if that'll help. I'm like, okay, kudos, Tyson. I appreciate yeah. that honesty. <laughs> but instead, she, she is being condescending to Trudy and acting like that what she's doing is so super helpful and when she knows what Trudy really needs. And yeah. And then just going behind Trudy's back and telling the children that, yeah, Brady needs good, good energy and she doesn't always get that from her mother. Ah, I just, 
Yeah, that wasn't nice. That was nice. You know what that reminded me of? People who don't have kids who love to tell you how children should be raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> and I think it took a lot out of Trudy not to grab the kid and smack her with her other hand, you know? Trudy's handled herself very well. Yeah. Uh, she might have ended up like Zandra. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, remember, Tyson's still charging her batteries, so they don't have to worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think Tyson would do that in the moment that Trudy was holding Brady, though. Oh, yeah. She's crazy, but she's not that crazy. That's true. We have to hand it to Trudy because after cleaning up the whole kitchen and then finding it <laughs> trashed <laughs> like minutes after, I would have gone ballistic. Oh, yeah. I can't believe she kept her composure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I poor thing. Oh my gosh. And there was no reason for Lex and Casey to leave it that way. You know, they weren't even cooking that much. Like you guys were deliberately trying to make a mess, you know. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she actually realized it was Casey and Lex and not just Bray to annoy her. Yeah, I don't know how she kept it together. I really don't. I, I would start crying at this point. I admit, I would. I'd just be like, are you free? I, I'm dealing with this baby who's clearly not sleeping and she's being really fussy and she wants, she wants to be held. It's not like Trudy can set her down and work. And, you know, anyone who's had to deal with a small child like that realizes, wow, I, I have no autonomy physically. I can't do anything um, because this tiny little person wants to be in my arms. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I would just want to cry. I'm sure she hasn't slept, you know. No, she actually mentioned that to Sasha the day before. That yeah. she hadn't slept in four days. And it's just like we have two leaders in this building and they are doing nothing to help keep this place running and i'm trying but there's literally no one helping me what the frick you know and you're making it worse yeah i, I would ball i'd start bawling i'd scream mm -hmm. i'd cry i would <laughs> I'd have an emotional breakdown at this point yeah. so i'm i'm actually pleasantly surprised and kind of shocked that trudy keeps it together as well yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked yeah she kept it together because well with what her emotional state always used to be i did not expect her to behave this uh grown up i guess yeah i almost kind of wanted her to be a bit selfish and mean to everyone else about it i wanted her to like to collect all the trash put it in a bag and then just throw it on top of like zandra and lex while they're in their bed <laughs> okay. or, yes <laughs> and just yeah just show everyone like this is the mess that you're that you're leaving around and we have rats because of it I wonder if she would have screamed that there were rats if Sandra would have responded. Oh, maybe. Anyone else notice that the rats look very well-groomed and not like rats? <laughs> They're living large in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, these rats aren't cooking their meals yet. Yeah, they, they look very domestic. <laughs> but I also think it's very interesting because Sasha's no longer in the mall. And... All of the life and light and happiness and music has gone with him. And everything is right back to being kind of dreary. You know, Sasha was the wedding party and he mm -hmm. left before the cleanup, you know? Like, mm -hmm. Here's the reality after the party. There's this gigantic mess. And where's Sasha? He's taken his delightness, his delightfulness somewhere else, you know? 
And um, yeah, it, yeah, the, the the party's over. The fantasy's over. This the lovely time we had with him. It's gone, and we're by, back to all this petty annoyances. And the mall just feels darker and just ugh, a place you don't want to be anymore. And you're right back to that feeling of oh, let's run away. <laughs> Can you find something else for my beautiful wife, other than eggs and beans? Want. What's left? This. What? I don't know. I'll read the label. You can't read, can you? So? Hey, don't let it upset you, kid. Can you keep a secret? Sure. Never can I. Mm. Well, not really. Honest. So I know how you feel. Maybe we get through it. We're not stupid. No. No. So let's, um, yeah, let's talk about Lex and KC. Because um, in Ryan's absence, Casey's eager to show his worth to Lex, finally getting his chance when he's called on to help make breakfast for Zandra. And it's during the scene that the pair bond over their shared inability to read. Um, yeah, panel, what did you think about Casey's eagerness to impress Lex at the expense of helping Jack? Um, as well as the way Lex was willing to open up to KC. I think Lex sees a little bit of himself in KC. Especially this latest edition that Casey can't read either. It's like he's looking at, well, mini Lex. Here's this kid who has so much of the same issues he had. So yeah, I, I understand why they connect more. And well, Casey has wanted to please Lex from day one. Way more than he wanted to please Jack, who's grumpy. Pain, yeah. And, well, <laughs> whiny. And, well, Lex tends to show more appreciation of Casey than Jack does. So get why he instantly went off to help him. I'm in two minds of it. Um, on one hand, I do think there's something that could have been quite beautiful about these two bonding over something like this. And seeing Casey's... He, like any child, like anyone, we want validation and acceptance for who we are. And we want to be acknowledged by the people we admire. And I watching Casey since he's come to the mall, that's what he's been trying to find. An older person he could look up to who was kind to him and took him under their wing. And all those doors have been shut to him. And here's Lex. Lex is like the final stop. Um, so that makes me sad because, you know, he got shut out of Jack and Dal. He, Casey was willing to put up with Jack. You know, even though Jack was a total jerk to him, Casey was still willing to try and work with him. But as soon as Dal came back, Jack's like, sorry, my boyfriend's back. There's no room for you in this picture. And immediately tried to push Casey out. While Dal was willing to accept Casey being a part of their group, Jack wasn't. And Casey responds to that by saying, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this group anyway. You know, you guys clearly have your thing. And there's the girls, you know, like he tried to find a bond with the girls. And while Chloe was much more open to him, Patsy was a lot harder. Uh, you know, you have Sasha who swoops in. Casey was very respondent to Sasha, but Sasha's gone now, you know. And so here's Sasha, I mean, here's Casey alone. And here's the first person who respond to him is Lex. Here's Lex smiling at him and validating his you know his existence and being kind to him for having shown up at the door and is being playful with him and so that's where that bond comes from and i don't know it makes me sad 
because I know Lex isn't any good for Casey and then he's just going to take advantage of this child and all that sweetness that Casey had starts to go by the wayside as he starts to emulate his new hero the only person who's truly been very kind to him and looking out for him and uh yeah it just makes me kind of sad to be honest because up until he befriends Lex Casey truly is just a sweet kid. He doesn't have any maliciousness. He doesn't do anything to hurt anybody. And yet this friendship, we'll see, leads Casey down a path where he is willing to do things that would harm other people. And it's all because of Lex's influence. And I'm just like, he's a child. And I just want to swoop in and wrap him up in my arms and save him so badly. <laughs> it, it makes me sad. Uh, yeah, when I saw it, I thought it was uh, very interesting. I... I kind of read it as Casey looking up to Lex in a sense of Casey's just trying to fill fill in a void that he's missing in his life. And it's definitely that mentor, that father figure. And I think he sees that in Lex. And um, I think of the same thing with Lex as well. But I think they bond so well together because I think they both identify with each other with what everyone else thinks they are. Because when you think of Lex and you think of Casey, you think of the same thing. Like someone who's a troublemaker, a hoodlum, and and what have you. And I think they bond over that. It's mm. a good point. But until Casey hooks up with Lex, Casey's method of dealing with people's misperceptions of him was just to prove them wrong. You know, they assumed he might be trouble and he proved to them that he wasn't trouble. And when he hooks up with Lex, he takes on Lex's attitude of if people think you're bad, then you might as well just be bad. And I'm just like, ugh, I, it bothers me because Casey is so young and so impressionable. And it's already bad enough that someone did this to Lex. So to see Lex perpetuating this pattern with KC, it just bugs me, I guess. I'm not saying that Lex is a horrible person for this. I understand he himself is a victim of abuse and blah, blah, blah. And that often happens. And I just feel like Lex could have done something positive with his relationship with Casey, But because he himself is so immature and still a child that it becomes a very toxic, dysfunctional relationship. And it, ah, I, don't, I don't like it, you guys. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I want to protect this, this sweet, rosy-cheeked little boy with all the promise in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, there's definitely some negatives to take in with how uh, Lex took Casey under his wing. But I also think there's uh, some positives that he instilled in him to, you know, be brave. Like how Lex is pretty brave, like how when he's going to help uh, Zandra and whatnot. But I, I also want to kind of blame the rest of the tribe as a whole for kind of not letting Casey um, be a part of a lot of things they do. Yeah. And not just, yeah, blame Lex. I, don't, I think that's yeah. fair. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's true. A lot of people close doors in Casey's face. And uh, again, that's why I mentioned it before. Like, he ends up with Lex because everybody, a lot of, you know, most people rejected him and they didn't let him in and didn't really reach out to this kid or try to connect with him. 
and the last person we saw do it, which was Sasha, he just left unceremoniously, you know? Mm -hmm. But we see a lot about this later as well, or at least what this leads to, because once Lex is gone, Casey acts kind of the same way towards Andy. At least in my opinion, he takes on a similar sort of role, like the bigger, smarter kid to look up to. Lex is definitely the artful dodger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And again, it's like, I can't really blame him because this is all he knows and he thinks he's genuinely helping KC survive in the world by passing on his knowledge of how to get by. Um, so it's not like I'm like, oh, Lex, you're just the worst. Again, I understand mm -hmm. Lex himself is just a child who, these are the skills he needed to get by and he's passing them on to someone that he relates to and sees himself in. I can't, I still just can't help but feel bad uh, for KC, because KC still has the ability to not be ruined by whatever he went through in the same way that it ruined mm -hmm. Lex, you know, and, and of course, we will see Lex take advantage of this child who looks up to him, and not protect him, and not look out for his best interest, you know, and so, again, I just, this is like the beginning of something, and just, I'm like, I want to protect KC from it. I guess it's just the mom in me. I just want to... Like, no, Casey, no! But I totally agree with Carlin that this is also the blame of many people in the tribe who did not care what happened to this kid and did not give him a place within the tribe to belong in. Yeah, you can almost make a case that Lex is the only one in the tribe that's willing to be a mentor towards the younger kids. Because if anyone comes up to him and asks him about something, he won't shy away from it and he'll tell them. Whereas Chloe, Patsy, Casey, uh, whenever they ask something uh, to either Bray or whoever's in charge, they always either sugarcoat it or they just won't tell them at all because they're too young. Mm. Well, they all have different ideas of what it means to be a mentor to a young person, I suppose. Right. When you're a kid and you suddenly are charged with a younger child, you don't always know the best way to deal with them. You're doing what you can. You're doing the best you can. So if you had a very good experience, you may be a very good influence in a smaller child's life. And if you didn't, you might be a terrible <laughs> influence in that child's life. But um, when I was born, my uncles were still very young because... You know, my grandparents spaced out their kids. So, for example, my youngest uncle was only six years old when I was born. So they didn't behave like uncles. They were just big brothers, you know, and um, they were children. And they did some messed up things when we were growing up, which were very confusing to me because that's not, you know, as I got older, I'm like, that's not how uncles should behave. You watch TV or you read books and uncles are supposed to be like second fathers and playful and mischievous, but very helpful and mature and that's not how my uncles behaved. And it it took me a long time to understand why. It's because they were freaking children who didn't know what they were doing. They didn't take any sort of responsibility for me because they were 14 years old, you know. Um, and so I, I, I do think that happens with the different members in the tribe. Their attempts to mentor younger people, they're just doing the best they can because they're just kids. And uh, they may not realize just how every action you take with a child, how important it is and how it can affect them forever. And 
I do agree. Lex never shies away from helping in his own way. Um, but again, yeah, you saw how he was with Paul. He did not connect with Paul. Mm -hmm. He didn't see Paul as a human. So he was very mean to Paul without thinking about how that would affect Paul. Whereas KC, he connects with him. He sees a lot of himself in KC. So they get along better. And you see the same thing a bit with Bray and Chloe, though. You know, Bray sees more of himself in Chloe than he will ever see in either Patsy or KC. And then you have, yeah, because Bray is not kind to Casey at all. No. Long before Casey has done anything to deserve it. From the moment he sets foot in the mall. Yeah, you know, um, there's just something about Casey he doesn't click with, he doesn't like, even though Casey's done nothing to deserve it. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's a very interesting point. The, it's like the kids themselves have to, if they're lucky, they'll pair up with an older kid that clicks with them very well. Mm-hmm. And if they're unlucky, you know... I don't know. If nothing else, it's definitely a lesson in just how your actions affect those who are younger than you. And Mm -hmm. when they emulate you and they look up to you, there's so much responsibility that comes with that. And that's a lot to take on when you yourself are still a child. Just a side thing, but did it annoy anyone else that neither Dyslexic Lex or I Can't Read KC could check the picture on the label written. <laughs> it doesn't preclude them to be able to see what the picture is and what the food inside it could be. So it's like, what? Do you notice that the way they handle the can so that we can't see it either? Yes, I did. <laughs> Very purposeful staging. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was canned mac and cheese, you know, and I'm sure you would have been able to see that on the package. <laughs> Oh wow, that's a thing. Yeah, they have a lot of tinned <laughs> stuff, and I'm when Lex opens that, I was like, "Oh, that looks like tinned mac and cheese." Uh, it's not very good. I would not recommend it unless it's the apocalypse and you're starving. <laughs> <laughs> I was really trying to make out what on earth that was. I was like, "Wow, I get, I get the point of it. The whole point is so that these boys can share this moment, but they're using a can where there's a picture on it." So they purposely have the boys hold the can so that even we can't see the picture. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't say much for their brains. I think the prop department failed the scene. (laughs) Like, you guys, they're not supposed to be able to tell what's in the tin. Like, you guys, you should have just ripped the paper off, but then they wouldn't be able to have the conversation about reading. So, um, yeah, uh, it's... I love the fact they have the conversation. But I think the writers should have thought about how to naturally have this conversation, not mm-hmm. around tinned food that usually has pictures of what's in the tin. Yeah. yeah and, and even, you know, if they would have just taken it off, most cans of tinned food have printed the words of what in, what's inside it, or at least, you know, what, what it's called. That's true. That's true. The pen itself would have had it printed what was on there, and they could be like, I can't read it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Guess we have to open it to find out. So, no, uh, uh, Lance, you're not alone in that. Because <laughs> I kept looking at the picture. I'm like, it's yellow. Like, maybe it's corn. <laughs> Is it pears? Come on, you guys. It's not that hard. Yeah, it can only be so many things. <laughs> And then Lex just not even realizing what it is when it was open because he had to taste it. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's really obvious what this was. <sighs> I mean, all I'm thinking is, has he never seen food inside a tin before? Has he always depended on anyone else just creating it and putting it on his plate? Yep. Again, prop department failed them. <laughs> and they did the best they could. They were like, oh, this is a problem. I guess I guarantee someone realized this is a problem. You can see what it is in the can. So they instructed the boys to hold the can, can just so you can't actually see what's in there. <laughs> yeah, but even a big sticker with a discount or something on it on the front would have solved that. You know, they could have put a half price sticker over the image so they couldn't figure it out that way. Shame on you, prop department. <laughs> we caught on to your game. <laughs> oh, can you imagine somebody who's sitting here like they've been they thought they got away with it for twenty years? Oh lost <laughs> <laughs> me out. <laughs> if it wasn't for these darn kids. <laughs> well, you know, that's what this show's production does all the time. They reuse things that they think they can get away with. <laughs> we act like the Scooby gang. We're like, aha! <laughs> Leave it, let's play cards. I can't. I'd never hear the last of it. But if he asked me to plump his pillow one more time, I swear I'd smother him. Did he give him the painkillers? He sounds awfully quiet. Of course. Yeah, speaking of odd things, um, we have to talk about Dow because... Despite Jack continuing to be a bad patient and issuing orders to Dow and KC, um, a fed up KC eventually swipes some heavy duty pills from Dow's medical bag and drugs Jack so that the pair can have a break and do something fun. But my issue with this whole thing is how come Dow still hasn't realised that he needs to keep the medication more secure? <laughs> Sorry. I at this point, he knows. He keeps mentioning it. He still hasn't secured the medication. Yeah, I... Uh, um, like, in general, I love all of it. I love what Casey does. But I, I agree. When you get down to brass tacks, Dal literally just speaks about how important these medications are, how he feels about them, and the fact he's not comfortable with giving Jack any sleeping pills and doesn't notice that literally Casey has just grabbed that bottle mm -hmm. that he just put out and just keeps them in a bag doesn't keep them locked up the food is locked up because there's a food thief but the medication isn't locked up like I've yeah. not learned anything yeah you mean you'd think that after what happened with Trudy yeah you'd keep a closer eye on those things and it's not like I'm saying that it's Dal's responsibility to keep an eye on them it's that Dal was the one who was so upset about it you would think think he would keep a closer eye on the medication simply because he was the one who took it so to heart and took full responsibility for it even happening yeah it does seem a little strange that he's still being kind of cavalier with where he keeps the medication and Casey's able to steal a bottle right under his nose yeah but that that's something i wondered about i mean we see him with the bag of medication but where does he keep the bag do we know that he doesn't keep it locked away somewhere it looks like he kept it behind the counter. That's how ridiculous it is. It feels, it feels like he took it from behind that counter there. Yeah, I don't believe it's locked up anywhere. Even though he could have easily used, you know, the storage part with the locks on it that Jack used for the original food storage. And again, I'm only saying it's weird because 
Dal was the one yeah. who made such a fuss mm-hmm. and took such yeah. harsh responsibility on himself because, you know, Trudy got the pills. That the fact that he can still continue acting like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, why did you get so upset and blame yourself for it? Mm-hmm. And not notice Casey literally just took the sleeping pill bottle that you set down. I mean, Casey's awesome. I thought that was funny. I loved it. But the mm-hmm. Dal not realizing it when he just had a conversation and literally just put it on the counter, doesn't notice this big bottle is gone like, immediately. Come on. Now, how distracted are you? Maybe he hasn't slept either. I'll believe that. Jack is a terrible patient. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of Jack and his self-importance? Oh, like, my yeah, <laughs> oversee everything oh my lanta okay like jack gives me the vapors emotionally sometimes like good lord child i mean granted he's always in character bless his heart but yeesh i was totally on board with casey drugging him that's how bad jack was that i advocated <laughs> drugging a child <laughs> to be fair jack could use the rest he could. Like, you need to sleep. You need a nap, okay? You have no business being awake. <laughs> and, and I get his frustration. I really do. Because being unable to do the things you feel are important, yeah, it, it can be so frustrating if you need help getting around, unable to get out of the bed yourself. But the level of importance he put on himself was ridiculous. It doesn't, but Dal made a good point. He's like, oh, nobody's charged any batteries while I've been away. And it's like, we've been taking care of you, Jack. <laughs> That's why. We can't do anything else without you screaming for our names constantly. You know, um, you're, if you were a better patient, we could probably get some other work done. Dal, it's yeah. clear that Dal has spent every waking moment by Jack's side. Mm-hmm. Because it's his boyfriend and he loves him so much. <laughs> That's why he's putting up with him, okay? <laughs> and if Jack would just shut up, <laughs> just chill. I know this sucks that you're stuck in bed, but if you want other things to get done, your caregivers need to be able to leave your side and get things done. Yeah, or, you know, write them a list of things to do. But he doesn't trust anyone but himself to do certain things, though. And I think that's part of his issue. He doesn't want to give the things he normally does out of his own hands to someone else because he feels superior and he feels that the only one who knows how to do things right is he. I do think that Dal and Casey deserve medals for their patients. Yes, they do. (laughs) They really do. (laughs) They were trying to help him (laughs) very much. (laughs) And it is kind of cute. It's definitely pretty adorable watching them try to come up with ways so that Jack can be a little independent and can get out of bed. Because I, yeah, I agree. I would not want to be stuck in bed with nothing to entertain me. I'd be, if the laptop died, I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously, haven't charged any batteries. <laughs> so what else am I going to do now? I'm stuck in bed. My leg hurts. Tysan gave me all these restrictions. Of course, she's not in here helping at all. <laughs> oh, and then, then the comment about... Yeah, Tyson said my feet need to be massaged. Yeah, she can do it. Where is she? She conveniently said, oh, the leg is broken. He must stay in bed. But where is she? Is she Has she come in to help at all? I wonder if she said if it was broken just to get him out of the way. Uh, nope. I'm with 
Dal, absolutely. She can do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just diagnoses Jack and then leaves him. Doesn't even bother to check on him. Like, ugh. Are you sure it's broken? Are you sure, Tyson? You sure? It's her magical x-ray vision. Sorry. I'm, she's not my favorite person this episode either. <laughs> because th- that simple diagnosis causes a lot of problems <laughs> for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that she just blindly gives it and then doesn't bother to help out at all with him and so you see dal running himself ragged off his feet no sleep trying to take care of his lover and you know casey's trying to help but he's also helping lex and it's just it's a lot of chaos feel bad for these people it's funny though i love that whole (laughs) the chair thing (laughs) oh my god poor dal poor dal Oh my, you had to sit there. Like his patience for Jack, that's a strong love, you guys. Mm-hmm. I love his strong right there. Because he's he's at the end of his rope, but he's still not willing mm-hmm. to, yeah. you know, deal with Jack. Like he's he's still like, I know I have to be there for him. And the, <laughs> the fact that Jack knows he can be such a pain and Dal won't leave him. <laughs> oh, if we we should all be so secure in our love. <laughs> I want to go back, Sasha. Okay. Any particular reason? I want to get back to my reality. Surviving in the mall with the kids. Even Lex. I can see how that would be more fun. It isn't about fun. I'm happy here. Happier than I ever thought I would be again. And I love you, Sasha. I want to get back to reality before it hurts too much to watch you leave. Okay, let's move on to Sasha and Amber. So the two have been living up at the beach, um, but Sasha recognises Amber's concerns for the future, but he tells her it's important to live in the moment too. The two declare their love for each other, but for Amber, that's all the more reason to go back to the mall before she gets her heart broken. Sasha appears to understand, but suggests another option. He's leaving the mall as planned, but he wants her to go with him. Um, Yeah, panel, what do you think of the communication between the two in these scenes? It's very honest. I will give them that. Neither of them ever lie to each other. Neither neither of them ever mislead each other or only say what they think will make the other person happy. And that's good. Um, They are definitely communicating honestly about what it is they want and what they need. Um, I I think it's interesting. Like when Amber says, "I, I need to go home because I need to go before it hurts. It hurts too much to let you leave. Sasha doesn't lie and pretend he isn't leaving. He doesn't deny the fact that he's leaving. Her honesty makes him think, you know, so he asks for the day. And then clearly he thinks on that and then comes back and says, I want you to come with me because I love you. And uh, it's, it's very interesting. Um, as much as I like Sasha, I don't feel like he's willing to meet Amber halfway where Amber is willing to meet him there. We've talked about this. Sasha isn't. It's like, I love you. Run away with me. Despite the fact that that goes against everything that you've already told me matters to you. Yeah, but he has seen the way she's been while they were away. Hmm. She was finally enjoying life. But she's also being straight with him that she hasn't forgotten the things that matter to her. And they do matter to her. She literally tells him, I care about the future, Hmm. Sasha. You know, that's why I'm making it work in the mall. And he's kind of ignoring that that's very important to her. 
and hoping that, oh, just forget about it and run away with me, which is the exact opposite of what she's mm-hmm. telling him about herself. Like, Sasha, this is a very important part of my personality. I care about tomorrow, and you're literally telling me over and over again not to think about tomorrow. And um, it's, it could not be more clear that he is not willing to meet her halfway at that and understanding that he's just hoping she will forget about the most fundamental part of her personality and run away with him. And that's why this isn't going to work at all. Amber is happy right now, but she'll never be able to stop thinking about tomorrow. And that's what Sasha wants her to do. So how long is this going to last? The whole summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I watched it, I just thought that... uh... They care a lot about each other, but I don't think they're uh, compatible with each other just because they live so such different lifestyles. When Sasha says to her, in this moment, I'm in love with you, I was thinking, like, wow, if I were 14, that would be the most romantic thing a boy could say to me. Like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, okay, how would I feel if I heard that when I was 24? I'd be like, yeah, but how are we going to pay the rent? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I need to know you're going to be here tomorrow. It stops being romantic. <laughs> and it's very clear that like um, Amber does think it's romantic. Mm-hmm. And it does sate her for a couple minutes. But it doesn't take long before she's like, yeah, but what about tomorrow? I can't stop thinking about tomorrow. No matter how much she keeps trying to encourage me to. And um, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's romantic for a little while, Sasha. But what are you offering her? You can't even tell her where they're going. Sasha, come on, dude. She's trying. She's trying to live your lifestyle. Yeah, there's no plan. (laughs) Give her something to work with. Even the most minute. Give her a direction. We're heading north. Something. And he, he just, he doesn't, you know. And as much as he likes Amber, as much as he loves Amber... He doesn't know Amber. And, uh, yeah, it's like, it's kind of sad watching it come to this place. Seeing Amber so happy and her also being so brutally honest with herself, knowing that this can't last. And Sasha asking her to come with him. Like, it hits him. Like He was totally fine with hooking up with her and leaving and saying, yeah, we got to enjoy this wonderful moment together. But she's gotten under his skin where he's like, come away with me. Because even for Sasha for a second, thinking of his future without Amber bums him out. So he's like, come away with me, you know, and it's a nice clash of personalities. And I don't remember how I felt at the time, but I I do think it's one of those like breathy moments for a young audience. Like, what is she going to do? Are these two going to work out? Is Amber going to leave us? And did you guys think she would leave? I hoped she would. Okay. Okay. Can you just get out of that just once and like answer the question objectively? Well, that's actually what I thought at the time. (laughs) I hoped she'd leave. (laughs) That's what I mean. I did hope she'd leave. I didn't think she would, but I would have liked it. But I, I kind of always felt it would end up being like um, with Trudy, eventually coming back anyways. If she would have gone with him, 
Sure, she might have stayed with him for a couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, she would have always returned. Yeah. I do think that has been definitely made clear about her character. I never thought for a sec. I, I didn't think she'd stay away for very long if she did go away at all. But I don't know. I think there's a tiny part of me that almost wanted her to. Not because I don't like her. I love Amber. You guys know that. Mm -hmm. It's just I wanted Amber to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, I really wanted her to be happy. And here was someone who made her happy. And maybe she could be happy wandering the earth if she didn't concern herself with the well-being of everybody else. And she deserves that. And I hated the idea of Amber giving up happiness for a bunch of people who aren't going to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Bray did not deserve her coming back. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. nor did the tribe. <laughs> but, you know, again, and like that's next episode, but it's a good lesson, you know, to being mm -hmm. a martyr. I grew up in a martyr family. <laughs> and it's a lesson <laughs> we all have to learn when to stop get off the cross, build a bridge and get over it. Like, stop it. Cut it out. Nobody needs you to sacrifice yourself for them. Um, cut it out. It's not healthy. Don't do it. Their time at the beach is so melancholy for me. Like, it's so bittersweet. It's beautiful, but it, it feels like a match burning down, you know? You know it can't stay that way. The fire is so beautiful, so gorgeous. But you're going to have to drop that match because it's going to get too close to your fingers and it's going to go out. And I just feel like there's this ticking countdown to Amber's happiness with Sasha. So it's beautiful, but it also makes me really sad. <laughs> and I'm like, Sasha, come up with some kind of plan. If you want to keep her, come on, man. I'm pulling for you. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting seeing them on the beach, too. I was kind of wondering if they, like officially hooked up when they were there i think they did maybe i don't know i know it's yeah. a show but i definitely think they did yeah i, I want to say that they did but <laughs> i just fell asleep <laughs> well, strong, yeah. i love the fact that, that we never find out because amber's like look who i sleep with and when ain't y'all been there <laughs> right right but yeah but I, I mean it would make sense that they did because they just wouldn't randomly just throw mm -hmm. out the L word towards each other. <laughs> but all I'm just I'm watching Sasha this whole time and I'm watching him lose points. He's trying to keep Amber in this bubble. And I'm like, Sasha, you have her at the beach where she needs to sleep and you didn't bring a blanket. Sasha, you need to plan a tiny bit. Come on, work with me, <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> but she had no clue where she was going. She brought her bathing suit. I don't think it was a bathing suit. She, that's just her underclothes. Like, you know, just... But it was actually a brand of... That was a bathing suit, yeah. <laughs> I know, but yeah. I don't think she... I recognize the brand. I don't think she... <laughs> like, it doesn't look like a bathing suit. I think it's definitely believable as underclothes, you know? Uh, see, I used to have something like that at that age for swimming. Like, I be it's believable that she... He told her to pack some stuff. But he didn't tell her where they were going. And so she thought, okay, let me grab this and that. And for me, I feel like it's a believable makeshift bathing suit. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he totally didn't tell her where they were going. And she didn't really have anything with her. So um, 
it's so Amber though. It was all I could think was that is so on brand for her. It's so practical. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but yeah. I actually do think that they did make references to what happened the night before w between them, though. Yeah, it's definitely implied, but also... Yeah, because in, in, in the morning, the first thing he asks her with a, after uh, what's wrong, he asks her if she has any regrets. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and a look on her face, and she instantly goes, no, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, definitely heavily implied, but no like, official confirmation. <laughs> Also, I feel sad that Sasha's leaving because I wish she could have met uh, uh, Ebony. <laughs> <laughs> I still kind of feel sad that Sasha came in when he did and not while Paul was still there. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to see that. I always found it fascinating that despite Sasha falling in love with Amber, that it still never occurred to him to stay. Like he knew from the start, I'm not sticking around here. This is not me. This is this doesn't fit me. It's it's not in his nature. Yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting. It never occurs to him to stay, even though he's fallen for this girl. He never makes any illusions that he he's gonna stick around. He's like, I'm out of here. Just come with me. Yeah, if she would have went, I don't think it would have ended really well. Especially with the, the whole virus thing that's about to happen. She would have returned. Yeah. In a heartbeat. There's something so sad about Amber in this bubble of love with this person. So happy, but also so self-aware that she needs to go oh, go home before it hurts too much to let him go. It's like so tragic. Like, oh my gosh. She can't even be in love and just be floating on cloud nine reality is always shattering amber's bubbles leave this girl alone <laughs> yeah give her a break you guys <laughs> oh man you see the look on her face when he asked her to go with him like because again up until this point he he's like we love each other stay with me blah 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 but he again he doesn't have any plan for their future so amber knows the risk she's taking by falling for him and then he finally hits her back with, come with me. And like, that's a, that's a big step up in their conversation. It's one thing for him to be like, I'm totally into you right now. But this is the first illusion Sasha has made toward a future together. Mm. Would you guys have gone with him if you were Amber? No. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Get away from all the drama. No. Not especially when he just travels around and just gets captured by the nomads <laughs> no not at all i don't know what i would have done if i were amber and at her age what would i have done because i still had such a, a hope for that romance and clearly she has definitely taken this by the hand and sasha can be dreamy in his own way and mm -hmm. he's such a lovely distraction from reality that is true it would have been like a huge uh, contradiction if she would have just left and just gone away with Sasha because she promised uh, uh, Dale that she would that they both would just leave and go out of the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, he did that before as well without uh, her. I think she's off the hook. Dale broke that pact. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as Lance says, they don't really care about each other anyway. <laughs> 
Never bought it. Still don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, if I would have been Amber, I would have gone with him. I think I'd really want to. I think I'd really want to just throw caution to the wind. It's the end of the world. The mall sucks. <laughs> you know what, though? I feel like I would end up doing exactly what Amber did. I'd agree. Like, I'd be like, no, I'm going to do this. And then my doubt would get me at the last second. My martyrdom would get me at the last second. I have to do the responsible thing. And then I would hate all of these people and resent them for the choice I made. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's what I would have ended up doing. Okay, a quick what if, because um, obviously the timing plays a lot into it. So what if, say, just, just for the sake of it, it was in season two, the city's more established, the more rats are more established, and Sasha came into life. Do you think she would have gone then? Oh, that is different. If it was pre-chosen, then yes, I think yeah. she would have. Mm. Well, she wouldn't be the only thing holding the mall rats together at that point. Right now, she literally is yeah. the only, she is the duct tape of the tribe and feels this huge responsibility to them. But yeah, if he had come somewhere in season two and things were going really well for them, I can totally see maybe Amber reaching a point where it's like, I'm not needed here. She could have left Danny in charge. So, yeah. And if Bray still hadn't made a move, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know what? I think that would have been better in terms of writing continuity. If she left to see her again in season three, she's not with the Eco Tribe. She's with uh, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. Um, and let's focus on Celine. So... Celine talks through her food issues with Roran, and she now feels strong enough to go back to the mall and confront everyone herself. But it turns out Roran and Dirk won't let her leave without repaying them for all the food and shelter that they've provided. Though it's not stated explicitly, it becomes clear that they're trying to force Celine into prostitution. Um, yeah, panel, uh, how did you feel about well, that <laughs> revelation? I was surprised they managed to let it go that far on a kid show. But yeah, it, it made sense to me. Or at least to me, it made sense. You know, they did mention uh, that they wondered if Celine was desperate enough to go for it and to do whatever they want. So yeah, there weren't that many options left for what they would want for her. Yeah, my, my jaw kind of dropped a little bit because I thought I thought Ryan was trying to help Celine. <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh my god, the betrayal. <laughs> so yeah, it was totally a, a slap in the face a little bit. I just thought it was really creepy how she goes from being sincerely, or at least seemingly sincerely helpful in understanding, to immediately manipulating Celine into the situation. That was creepy. <laughs> it was very unsettling. Yeah, yeah, it was creepy. And it also makes me wish that there's like more spinoff, like a spinoff show of the tribe where we get to focus on like just different characters. Because I would love to see uh, Ryan and her journey on how maybe she was innocent in the early days, but then like how she turned into how she is now. I kind of always expected we would see her again, you know, especially when they brought in um, Ruby way later with her saloon in Liberty. The moment I noticed she had rooms upstairs, I was kind of expecting Rowan to pop in. Mm, that would have been cool. But that might have just been wishful thinking. Yeah. 
I was wondering when they pushed Ryan into the room, had they even discussed with Ryan what he might want to trade? It doesn't yeah. look like they had a conversation with him at all. They're just like, oh, you look like we could help you with something. Here, go in this room. That was a bit odd, yeah. It didn't look like Ryan had even discussed anything with them as to like what he wanted or what he could possibly trade for. He was just welcomed in. <laughs> he didn't even knock on the door, remember? He was standing outside and welcomed and like, oh, hi, thanks for letting me in here. And then he was just thrown in the room with Celine. He's so confused. <laughs> I, I kind of think that um, they told Ryan just, oh, you just wait there, we'll be right over. And they just wanted to see what Celine would do, how far she'd go. So I wonder if it was kind of a test on Celine from them. And then they deal with Ryan later. Because what if Ryan, you know, again, he, what if he and Celine didn't know each other? And even then, what if he wasn't interested in this? <laughs> like, they didn't even ask if he was. <laughs> I think they saw a single guy without anyone with him and just assumed that's what all guys want. And just think that if he would go that way, they later could tell him, well, yeah, well, you got this service from us, so now we need payment. You know, kind of trapping him in the same way they did with Celine. Um, and just to go back to Ryan a bit, like, did you, did you think she had real sympathy for Celine? Um, or do you think it was a bit of a ruse? I honestly can't say. That's what makes it creepy. I don't know how sincere mm -hmm. she was. Did she care about Celine's situation at all? Was there a part of her that felt bad? But also, you know, she's a businesswoman. So that ruthlessness took over. Any empathy she might have had? I, I honestly have no idea. Mm. I think she's just brilliant at pretending she cares. I don't think she really truly cared for Celine's issues. No, the more I keep thinking about it, maybe she's such a, a psychopath that she actually believes she's helping Celine and having a place to live, giving her food in exchange for doing these kind of things for her. That's true. Yeah, she, that's she could see it that way. Like, yeah, we'll give you all you need, but you will obviously have to pay us back and we're helping you out, you know. Yeah, she might not see it as a problem to do such things. Yeah, yeah. as long as it fits her, her agenda. <laughs> Who knows, might save her some work. I do wonder if she's, when she says, if it were only up to me, you know, it would be different. But this is Dirk's house. And I'm kind of wondering how in charge Dirk is. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face, nope. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't come off as the type of woman or the type of girl that would just, you know, let a guy like that lord it over her. She's more like, like Moz. No man is going to tell her what to do. Right. Yeah. And I think Rowan and Dirk had a, like a good cop, bad cop thing going on. <laughs> yeah. She probably just has them around because muscle, you know. Even though he's like a skinny twig, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so skinny. <laughs> Hey, if Ebony took all the good men already, <laughs> she doesn't have much to pick from. Maybe that's why she wanted to learn Ryan. But yeah, it is cool that she seems to be in charge. I like the cliffhanger, though, because um, for a little bit, you don't know what to expect. What is going to happen between Ryan and Celine when they're standing there staring at each other in surprise and confusion? Where is this going to go? Yeah, but still, you know, from what we've already seen of Ryan, he's a really gentle giant. You know, so it, it never crossed my mind that he would hurt Celine or do anything she doesn't want to. 
Oh, yeah, no. Ryan's a big teddy bear. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I wondered if Celine would come on to him. Celine would have. Like, I, I, I'm just saying, that, you know, with the cliffhanger, I yeah. was cool having no idea exactly how this was going to go. Would Ryan respond to Celine coming on to him at that point in time? I didn't know. Yeah, I, I honestly thought he would just be very, very confused that a girl was coming on, on to him because he's not used to that. So that brings episode 35 to a close. Uh, thank you very much to the panel and we'll see you next time for episode 36. So until then, bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.